Hey there, this is Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I am Shanda Sung and I'm a comedian. And I'm Ashley Morgan and I'm a farmer. We have been best friends since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests. And today's episode is about alcohol. Yeah, alcohol. Because it's our 21st. Yeah, <laughs> happy 21st birthday podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how appropriate. You yeah. Know, now our podcast can buy alcohol except before noon in Indiana on Sunday. Uh, it can't In Ohio, it can't buy it if it's over a certain percentage of alcohol <laughs> content. So, of course, Tyler can get his beer. I cannot get wine on Sundays. On Sundays? Yeah. Don't they serve wine at church? Oh. They have a loophole, I guess. (laughs) I guess Shocking. It's it's the blood of Christ. You can drink it, but it's just regular old Boone's Farm. You can't have it. (laughs) Uh, In honor of episode 21, I am drinking a hard seltzer instead of my usual flavored seltzer that i have (laughs) this one spiked is that in honor of the podcast 21st or in honor of the fact that yesterday was your birthday oh well both okay (laughs) we can multitask we can celebrate more than one thing yeah exactly yeah i have some experience with alcohol i'll put it very delicately (laughs) you went to college for like 12 years so yeah (laughs) you still live in a college town (laughs) yeah when I was 20, oh. I drank underage just one time. Right. Once. Just that once by accident. This one time. It was gross and you never did it again. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we threw a we threw a pirate-themed party at my apartment. Mm. And some uninvited guests showed up. And that was a few officers from the Indiana University Police Department. Uh-oh. And nine of us got underage drinking citations, uh, which felt very piratey. So yeah. it was good. <laughs> yeah. I took a breathalyzer with a eye patch on. <laughs> that's it was good. that's classy right there. <laughs> yeah, it was a life experience that uh, that I guess I'm glad I had. I don't know. It cost me five hundred dollars. <laughs> so. So I might as well tell the story on a podcast if I had to pay all that money for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nine of us got cited. We ended up in the newspaper for it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we put it up on our wall and would... <laughs> and cheers to talk, it every other cheers time to you it. did underage <laughs> drinking. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> when I was younger, I knew my limit pretty well. So I did a really good job of not ever drinking so much that I'd get blackout drunk or I'd throw up or anything like that. And I think it had to do with being a flight attendant and I was in a strange city with strange people every week. So I didn't, I didn't want to get, yeah, yeah, you know, stupid buck wild, you know, but I'd get a little buck wild. Right. So the first time I ever got blackout drunk was actually just a couple years ago. <laughs> every year for the past, I think we're what on six seven or eight. I don't know. I've lost count. We do a lot of drinking. <laughs> so we're on like our seventh Octyler Fest, which Octyler yeah. Fest is our big fall party. It started out as a birthday party to Tyler at the end of October. We kind of meshed it in with Oktoberfest month and a Halloween party. Every year, the party would move 
earlier and earlier in the month. And some of it had to do with schedule. Some of it had to do with weather. When we moved back to Ohio, it's obviously nicer in early October than it is in, in late October. So we uh, decided to move it up. And now Octylerfest is typically the first weekend in October. And it's a big party. We had a band for a while. We, we mm-hmm. stopped doing that. But we did have a band. We have fireworks every year. We have a big bonfire. We do hay rides. We have a dance party. It's a whole it's a whole thing. So this would have been a couple years ago at Octylerfest. I was doing my hostess duties and <laughs> couldn't drink because I was kind of stressed out about making sure everybody was taken yeah, care yeah. of and making sure the food was put away and all that. Well, then when I finally had a chance to relax, I made myself a strong drink in order to catch up. And that was a <laughs> terrible idea. My Ice to alcohol to mixer ratio was way off. (laughs) And I went from zero to 60. That's what catching up is. Yep. You know, you just slam that accelerator to the floor and sometimes you just blow right past the end of the race. And what? Yeah. You're just driving through, you know, spectators. Yeah, I was in the stands (laughs) by that point. (laughs) Yeah. So our poor friend... His name is Dave, which that really narrows it down because I have like 10 Daves in my life. (laughs) But our poor friend Dave had to babysit me. And I kept going on and on and on about I was almost falling down. And the reason I was falling down is because the earth was spinning too fast and it was trying (laughs) to get me. And gravity was getting the best of me that night. And like that's the (laughs) stuff that I kept going on and on and on about. (laughs) And nice of Tyler to pawn you off on somebody else, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. He was, He's like, I'm having a good time. Somebody else take care of this mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, there was one point where Tyler's brother was getting ready to leave. And so I was given brother and brother's girlfriend hugs. And uh, I was like putting all my body weight on <laughs> his brother. And he like kind of like picked me up and like shoved me over which was kind of more of like I teetered over to Tyler (laughs) and then put all my body weight on Tyler and then Tyler was like yeah all right Dave back to you and I put all (laughs) my body weight on Dave poor guy Uh, he said it was a great time he said it was hilarious all right I don't remember it but the good job Dave we're proud of you (laughs) Dave if you're listening thank you and I'll see you in October But what makes this really funny is the next day, of course, I was hung over as shit. I felt like Mm. absolute garbage. I didn't really remember much of the night. I went to bed pretty early, I think. And Mm. (laughs) I was so upset the next day because I was like, you know, we got the band. We got the fireworks. I didn't see either of those things. I... (laughs) I spent so much time and effort preparing for this party and I missed some of the coolest things about it. And I'm so mad at myself for missing those things. I can't believe I let myself get that drunk. I'm so disappointed. Well, pictures start coming out as people are posting it on our Octyler Fest Facebook group. And apparently... I was there for both of those things. <laughs> I am in the crowd having a great time. <laughs> Someday you're going to get like hit on the head and you'll be like, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. It's there. It's in your brain somewhere. I remember every song the band sang. I sang right along. 
<laughs> yeah, it was bad. Apparently, I was there the whole time and had no recollection of enjoying the band as well as the pictures depicted I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least you had a good time, even if you don't remember it. I did. Yeah, apparently. Apparently, I did. So I was told. So the pictures say. But yeah, that oh. was the only time I've ever been kind of black. I, I'll say blackout because I wasn't like I didn't like fall down like they didn't find me like ass up in the bushes somewhere. I mean, I, I managed my you own. You didn't pass out. You blacked out. I didn't pass out. I just don't recall whole portions of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard as we get older and like I don't drink very often, maybe once a month, sometimes more or less often than that. And so I've really got no handle on how much I can drink or I should drink at any given amount of time. Yeah, same. And so I'm a little less steady on that. Like, I knew exactly what I was in for in my early 20s because I was well-versed in how my body handled alcohol. And now I'm like, I don't really know. And uh, a few years ago, we were in San Diego when my brother was living out there. And I wanted to go to brunch with my sister-in-law. We hadn't had a lot of time to hang out one-on-one, and we're like, we're going to go to brunch. Brunch sounds innocent, uh, and it is dangerous. It is not innocent in the least little it's bit. It's so dangerous because they're bottomless mimosas, but they top you off every time, so you have no concept of how many you've had. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I got real, real sloppy. And then my brother came to pick us up. And they were living on Camp Pendleton, the military base out there at the time. And so he came and picked us up and we were standing on the street just like holding each other up, (laughs) (laughs) kind of. And then he gets us in the car. We both immediately fall asleep and he has to drive on to base. It's like 2 (laughs) p.m. And he has to go through the guard station with two fully passed out women in his vehicle. Uh, That's not what it looks like. I know these ladies. I'm helping them. They did it to themselves. They're not dead. I didn't murder them. He was just looking at the guard. He's like, it's my wife and my sister. Okay, brunch. They got brunched. (laughs) (laughs) They got brunched real hard. Right in the face. (laughs) Yeah. So I've got to, I got to be careful these days because I, I don't have a real concept of how I can handle things anymore. Yeah. I have a cute grandma Petrie story since we like to talk about the cute things our grandmas say to us. (laughs) She asked me how my summer's been going, and I said, well, we've got a group of friends that have year-round campers set up at a state park right along a river, and they've got really sweet setups, and they go up there every weekend, and they party. And so Mm -hmm. every now and then, we will go and stay up there and and party with them, but they... They're at a whole nother level than us. They are professionals. We are way amateurs compared to them, (laughs) but... You know, we can't keep up. And I was I was jokingly telling my grandma, well, I can't keep up, so I don't even really try. And she very seriously, she says, you don't have to keep up with your friends. Don't feel like you have to. Don't let them pressure you into drinking more than you want to because that really could end up in some trouble. And I'm thinking to myself, Grandma, I'm, you know, now I'm 36 years old. <laughs> Thank you for telling, lecturing me on not giving in to the peer pressure of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> Although it is valid advice because they are very persuasive. Where were you 20 years ago? (laughs) She probably had that talk with me then, too. Yeah. And you were like, whatever. Whatever, Grandma. Whatever, Grandma. That's what I said this time, too. Whatever, Grandma. Whatever, Grandma. You're not the boss of me. (laughs) You don't even know what it's like to be in your mid-30s nowadays, okay? There's just a lot of pressure to keep up. (laughs) Oh, man. I need a pep talk from your Grandma. 
Next time you talk to her, ask her if she's got any advice for me. I will. I'm sure she could come up with something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she can. Oh, man. So I am first today. Yep. We're going to talk about alcohol. I, in true Shanda fashion, decided I wanted to talk about somebody from the late 1800s. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I want to talk about Bill McCoy, the origin of the phrase, the real McCoy. Interesting. Yes, which I always sort of assumed had something to do with the Hatfields and the McCoys, but that's a totally different thing. Different McCoys. Yeah, I've already learned something. So, yes, William Bill McCoy was born in 1877, and he was a rum runner during Prohibition. So that's my alcohol connection. Mm, Okay. So Prohibition, we're all familiar with that. It got passed. It was a unqualified disaster (laughs) and it was repealed and in that time an entire business around providing alcohol to people came up multifaceted people making alcohol people selling alcohol people bringing in alcohol from other countries people creating entire mob outfits around alcohol (laughs) but it was uh all bad up down and sideways and (laughs) Bill McCoy's part in this was as a rum runner. And uh, before Prohibition, in his youth, he went to the Pennsylvania Nautical School and graduated top of his class and became a quartermaster. And so he worked as a quartermaster for a while. And then in 1900, he moved to Florida with his brother, Ben, and they began running a boatyard and a shipping business in Florida near Daytona Beach. Mm. And they were doing very well, making quite a bit of money. And then Bill got into building boats and he began building yachts and developed such a reputation that he started building yachts for millionaires, including Andrew Carnegie and the Vanderbilts. Wow. So had a great reputation, was doing pretty well. And then the 20s start to happen, and with it come the construction of a lot of highways along the coasts and, uh, you know, land-based shipping, and it really damaged their shipping industry. They started to lose a lot of money and actually found themselves on the verge of bankruptcy. Apparently, people stopped buying yachts from him, I guess. Andrew Carnegie got one yacht and called that a day. I mean, nowadays, you want 30, 40 yachts. Yeah. You got to keep those small yacht guys in business, you know? Yeah. Because of the economy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So back in the one yacht days, uh, (laughs) he couldn't keep afloat doing only that. Keep Keep afloat. afloat. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So once he realized that he was in a bit of business trouble, he and his brother Ben realized, hey, it's prohibition and people seem to be making a lot of money rum running, bringing in alcohol from other countries. That seems like something that we could get into. Let's do that. So they liquidate the rest of their business, sell it and move up to Massachusetts and they buy a schooner called the Henry L. Marshall. And they decide that they're going to start running alcohol between the Bahamas and the United States. And the thing about Bill is that he didn't drink. He didn't like alcohol. He had no interest in it. But Mm. he did not like prohibition. Mm. He was like, this isn't what the government is for. And this isn't 
serving the public in any way. And while this exists, I'm going to get my piece of the pie. This shouldn't be happening, but I'm, by God, not going to sit here by the wayside watching people rake in cash, doing what I could easily do Mm -hmm. just because it's illegal. And he had a quote that he said, the purpose of an American is to kick in the doors on a law that they don't agree with, which I feel like sounds very badass, but that seems like a dangerous uh, waters to wade into, I think. <laughs> seems like it could be setting a dangerous precedent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, okay, there's, there's rum running and then there's this law against drunk driving. I don't agree with it. <laughs> so... I'm going to get faced and drive down to the courthouse and tell them what I think about it and sideswipe 50 cars on my way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's a line. I yeah. Think. But Bill McCoy, he had his his morals and his stance on the situation, and he decided he was going to get his. And that's exactly what he did. He got the schooner Henry L. Marshall, and he made his first shipment. He went down to the Bahamas, to Nassau, and he brought a load of alcohol back and unloaded it in Georgia and made $15,000 on one shipment Dang. in 1920. So, you know... If I'm in a position to be doing that, yeah. I may I may feel okay working outside the law myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what he did. He made his first few runs and after he built up some money, he bought some more boats, uh he bought some smaller boats, he bought a second schooner and he started raking in the cash and hiring more people and building an enterprise and sort of creating the entire industry of rum running and how it worked because he was one of the first to do it and do it well. And so what he would do is he would go down to the Bahamas in Nassau and Bimini and he would bring it up either into Florida or all the way up into New Jersey along Rum Row is what they called it. Hmm. These bigger ships filled with loads of alcohol, would sit just outside of the maritime limit, which at the time was three miles away from shore. So he would sit three miles offshore, and then smaller boats would come of other rum-running entrepreneurs would come out there, (laughs) load up their boats, and take them to shore. So he's cutting out his risk. Mm -hmm. He's sitting in international water, and he's letting these small fries come out and get it and take on all the risk of going into shore with it. Yeah. Which was very smart on his part. And that's that's what he did for quite a while, made a ton of money, and really prided himself on having his own kind of moral code. He didn't work with the mob. He said repeatedly he didn't want to be involved with them at all. And he never compromised the quality of his product. Mm. A lot of people who would get whiskey from other countries would cut it with water or whatever Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And that way they could make more money, make that stretch a little bit longer. And he never did that. He said, Mm. I'm bringing good rum, good whiskey. He would even go up into the French territories off of Newfoundland and get alcohol from there and bring it. And so he was known for having what became called the real McCoy. Hmm. And so other people who had lesser products would try to trade on his name and say, what we've got here is the real McCoy. 
And, mm. you know, you can't exactly sue. Yeah, right. <laughs> that. So it sort of cheapened his word, you know, because yeah. is this the real McCoy, real McCoy, or is this really the not McCoy? Is this the real, real McCoy or the fake real McCoy? I know. Or the real fake McCoy? Or the fake, fake McCoy? <laughs> yeah, it really kind of muddied the waters a little bit, but <laughs> that was the reputation that he had, was that he had the real stuff and it was good. And so he was able to sell it at a premium and he was very much in demand. And the minute he showed up with a load, it sold out immediately. Which worked very well for him, obviously. Yeah. And at this time, people were getting alcohol. It wasn't that it wasn't available. It was just, is it quality? Is it terrible moonshine that may or may not be cut with other things to make it look like dark liquor? They would put tobacco in it sometimes. Mm. Or cut it with other chemicals that made it literally deadly. Many people were poisoned. It's like drugs now. It's like... Exactly. At best, it tasted bad. At worst, it killed you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to get a bottle of stuff from Bill McCoy that was actual whiskey made in the Bahamas, that's golden. Yeah. I'm not drinking this toilet wine or whatever else that Bubba (laughs) Joe made down the road. Yeah. (laughs) I got the real McCoy. He kind of became seen as a Robin Hood figure because he was so good at dodging the Coast Guard and sneaking under the government's nose to provide people with the good stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so people really liked him and he got a good reputation. And he actually brought in 700,000 cases of alcohol in the short amount of time he was rum running, which was pretty impressive. But the second schooner that he bought It originally was under one name, and then at one point he got caught, and so he changed the name of it to the Tomoka and had it registered in Britain. That way, technically, the U.S. couldn't seize it because Mm -hmm. it was registered under another country, which was something that a lot of people did. But he ran into some trouble because his first schooner, the Henry Marshall, He had to hire somebody else to pilot it. So he hired this guy who was not very good at what he did, apparently. Uh And one night he was chilling out off the coast of New Jersey and he floated out of international waters. And the Coast Guard was like, ah, gotcha, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And so he drifted into the hands of the Coast Guard. Uh. And so they arrested him and they seized the Henry Marshall. And as the owner of that schooner, they had a warrant out for his arrest. And so he was like, uh, bye. (laughs) And went to the Bahamas and lived there for a couple years and sort of coordinated things from a distance there. And uh, he had these other boats... And he so he would send other people on trips from the Bahamas, but then a couple of them got busted and then two of them wrecked. Oh, geez. And so now he's getting into financial trouble and he's like, all right, I guess I've got to start running some of these myself. And he had to get back into it. And he ran up to New Jersey and immediately dropped anchor, made a ton of money and was like, all right, I guess we're back in this. And so he started making the runs himself again and was able to build his wealth back up and his (sighs) reputation back up after he tried to hand it off to some other people and they all bungled it. So if you want something done. Do it yourself. Yeah. I really appreciate this guy's entrepreneurial spirit. (laughs) I really, Yeah. You know. 
It was a cutthroat business, as you can imagine, especially out on Rum Row. They would be out there in New Jersey and so many people, so many of these ships would be out sitting, trying to entice these smaller boats to come get their product that it turned into an area where they would have these huge parties and they would send up these giant flags to try to entice these boats. Come get our rum. While you're here, we can party. We've got prostitutes. (laughs) You don't want to buy from that guy down the coast. Come here. This is where the good stuff is. You don't want to buy from that guy. No prostitutes. Come over here. No prostitutes. Not a one. Minimal syphilis. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what was going on there. And then some of those larger ships were like, you know what's exhausting? Going all the way to another country to get a load of rum and then to sell it. So I'm just going to hang out here. And then when somebody comes from another country, I'm going to attack their boat and steal everything they brought over from uh, the other country. Dicks. <laughs> Which really... I'm just kind of cut out the rum running part of rum running. <laughs> I'm going to go straight to the thievery and piracy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we're pirates now. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. So we got very cutthroat out there just outside of uh, U.S. maritime limits. Yeah. And the Coast Guard was getting wiser and wiser and more and more desperate to shut these things down. And... It came to a head for McCoy when the Coast Guard finally got orders to just go get him, even if he was in international waters, Hmm. because they had this warrant for him and they knew that he was going to have a load of booze when he showed up. So on November 23rd, 1923, a Coast Guard cutter called the Seneca had orders to capture Bill McCoy and McCoy shows up in the Tomoka. The Seneca approaches the Tomoka, boarded her, and then a fist fight broke out. Hmm. And McCoy's guys start beating the ever-loving shit out of these Coast Guard officers (laughs) (laughs) and just beat them up. And then they're like, we got to get out of here. So the Tomoka just takes off. And the Seneca follows, obviously, and they're like, stop stop now. And the Tomoka's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And so the Seneca opens fire on them. Oh, dang. And the Tomoka had a machine gun on board because (laughs) why wouldn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Come on. There's pirates out there. You got to take care of yourself. Exactly. And the Coast Guard claims that the Tomoka returned fire. Bill McCoy was like, we didn't do that. What? Why would we do that? Mm. (laughs) So who's to say? Who are you going to believe? I'm going to go with the Coast Guard on this one because there's no way that he didn't use that machine gun he'd been floating around with all those years. Uh (laughs) It's now or never, boys. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. And the Seneca fired on them, poked a couple holes in the stern of the Tomoka. And so the Tomoka finally stopped and the Coast Guard boarded and took them under arrest and captured the Tomoka and then sold it, even though Britain was like, hey, they're registered to us. You can't just take that. And the U.S. was like, well, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so they did. And England's like, hey, no. All right. <laughs> U.S. was probably like, look, we we got bloodied lips and shot at and we had to chase them. Like, we put a lot of effort into this. We're keeping it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you realize he was using you. Yes. <laughs> You're not friends. He never lived there. All right. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you're not friends. <laughs> so, yeah, they seized his boat. They arrested him. And he was out on bail until 1925. And then he went to trial and he pled guilty. And his quote was, I have no tale of woe to tell you. I was outside the three mile limit selling whiskey and good whiskey to anyone and everyone who wanted to buy. And, and the courtroom erupted in cheers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only the fun people. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the judge and the the teetotalers. Yeah. <laughs> but he pled guilty and spent nine months in jail. That's so, it? Yeah. Nine months. And then he was released. He returned to Florida. He put his money in real estate and went back to building yachts and lived a nice life. He eventually died in 1948 of a heart attack that came on from complications of food poisoning on his boat. Ah, oh, after all that. So <laughs> I can only assume that he pooped so hard he had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> that's, that's Elvis style. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> although i think there were other things with elvis but whatever yeah i didn't know you could have food poisoning so bad it could give you a heart attack i guess that's a new fear for me <laughs> i've heard you can like barf so hard you bust a blood vessel in your eye so i don't know maybe similar i've done that similar thing food poisoning <laughs> um childbirth actually <laughs> was it yeah Ew. yeah speaking of pooping so hard <laughs> <laughs> no uh yeah when you're in labor sometimes your body's like we're getting out everything and that includes your stomach so all three kids i threw up a lot Gross. when i was in labor yeah congratulations on your decisions <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I've never pooped myself in front of a bunch of doctors and I've never busted a blood vessel in my eye from puking so hard. So there's that. Plus, I have plenty of disposable income and quality sleep time and so much free time to do the things that I enjoy. But, you know, you did. You, you made a good call. It's fine. <laughs> you want to babysit sometime? <laughs> I'm dropping them off at the farm. <laughs> I'll put them to work. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the story of the real McCoy. Yeah. Bill McCoy. He's selling a product he doesn't even use and uh, made a whole bunch of money, lost a whole bunch of money, got in a gunfight with the Coast Guard. How do you go from building yachts for Andrew Carnegie <laughs> to being a pirate having a shootout with the Coast Guard? Yeah, man. He's a real American hero. <laughs> That's the roaring 20s for you. Yeah. <laughs> so prohibition. Boo. Prohibition. Creating criminals daily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you were right. You can draw many parallels to the situation with drugs. Oh, yeah. Prohibition caused mobs that were built up around selling an illegal substance, that the quality of that substance and the safety of that substance were compromised because there was no way to ensure its safety. And uh, all these shady businesses were built around delivering that substance sometimes to other countries from other countries into the united states mm -hmm. and it all went badly yeah so still continuing to go badly <laughs> food for thought 
Just make sure that food is properly cooked so you don't shit yourself into a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Oh, man. Now I'm going to be even more stressed out about deli meat. That's the thing that gets me in my fridge. I'm like, how old is this? Is it, have we had it in here three days? Three days seems like too many. I throw out deli meat like it's my job. I get so nervous about that for some reason. I'm like, this seems slimy. And Josh is like, it's just wet. <laughs> nope. Don't trust it. It smells weird. Yeah, that's just what ham smells like. Okay. Yeah, I, just, I know, know what why. ham smells like. Quit being paranoid. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that's the thing that has me worried, but that is. So, all right. Well, that is my story of prohibition of the real McCoy, of Bill McCoy. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about alcohol right after this word from our sponsors, during which you can fix yourself a drink. I will. (laughs) All right. And we're back. My topic today is I'm going to talk about hangovers. Boo. (laughs) Because what goes hand in hand with alcohol? (laughs) then hangovers just endless pain yeah (laughs) i get seriously hungover all the time i do not process alcohol well Mm. so i'm the type of person that i have to be on my way back down to sober after i've been drunk before i go to bed yeah (laughs) otherwise if i go to bed still drunk i wake up and i just feel like absolute dog shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) So day drinking is the thing for you. You've got to start at noon. Yeah, preferably. (laughs) So when my 830 bedtime rolls around, I can be good and sober for bed. (laughs) So I was not aware of a lot of the things that causes hangover, because when you think what causes hangover, you think, oh, excessive drinking. But there's actually like physiological causes of Mm -hmm. a hangover. I just assumed that it was the demons of all of your bad decisions punishing you for your choices. That's one of them. Oh, right. But okay. in the long list of things. <laughs> okay. The major one is dehydration and mm-hmm. electrolyte imbalance. Alcohol is a diuretic. So you drink a lot, you pee a lot. You're probably not drinking water in between. Most people don't. Yeah. So a lot of when you are not feeling great, that headache, everything like that is dehydration and electrolyte imbalance. Also, alcohol causes disruptions in your sleep. Mm. And if you're anything like me and you go to bed drunk, you wake up at least three times sweating your ass off and the room is spinning still. So (laughs) I wake up a bunch of times because I'm so paranoid about being hungover that I'll just like wake up and be like, am I hungover? How hungover am I? Should I be doing something about this? I feel like I should... And I did that when we were on vacation a couple of weeks ago and we got real drunk. And then that night I kept, I woke up at six o'clock in the morning. I took a 45 minute shower. Uh-huh. I drank some coconut water. And then I was like, all right, I think I feel OK. I think I'm good. But you're I'm gonna probably go to bed now. Still and then I went back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> like so worried about it that I wake up a bunch of times. So, yeah. You didn't get a good night's sleep, therefore right. you felt the ill effects that much stronger. Ah. Yeah. So double edged sword. Yeah, exactly. Another reason you might feel kind of nauseous or your stomach's upset is your blood sugar is really mm. messed up from the night before. 
Right. So between the dehydration, electrolyte imbalance, you didn't get good sleep, your blood sugar's all messed up. So of course, you're going to have a headache. You're going to have a stomach ache. You're going to want to barf. You don't feel great. Kind of want to die. That's, (laughs) you know, obvious. But there's also a thing that I had never heard of. And it's a term called congeners. And they are toxic byproducts that are produced during fermentation. Those are the demons. Those are the demons. And those are found (laughs) a lot. And they have names. Congeners. And they are found in dark liquors, red wines, things like that. So apparently those toxins Hmm. will cause more severe hangovers. Ah. So if you're drinking your white wine spritzers, you're probably not going to be as hungover as when you're doing whiskey shooters. (laughs) So, (laughs) So there's that. So in order to, of course, cure your hangover, which you've I'm sure you've heard or read those articles or read all these things like top 10 ways to cure your hangover or best hangover cures or blah, blah, blah. So because now that we know all the physiological things going on. There are some yeah. pretty obvious ways to cure your hangover. Of course, water and Gatorade. You're dehydrated. Your electrolytes are all out of whack. Yeah. Water and Gatorade, hydrate. Since your sleep is all messed up, take a nap. If you feel like garbage first thing in the morning, go back to sleep for a couple hours. You should be waking up feeling a lot better. Eat breakfast. That helps to regulate your blood sugar better. And that'll mm. help you feel better. That's why when you go eat greasy food, you're like, ah, oh, this feels great. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Getting your blood sugar back, back in yeah. order. Of course, if you're going to be proactive, you can avoid your dark liquors from the night yeah. before so you don't conjure the demons. Mm. There's also apparently some supplements you can take. Certain supplements like red ginseng, prickly pear, and ginger which I'm pretty sure I have been called all of those things at one time in my life. <laughs> but apparently, You're a real prickly pear. You're a real prickly pear, you little red, red ginseng. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently those supplements can help. I don't know if that's true or not. That was just one of the things that I read when they were talking about like legit hangover cures. Yeah. I also heard kind of conflicting information about taking things like Tylenol and Advil. Mm -hmm. Acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, is processed in your liver. And that I read, they said, don't, don't take acetaminophen, don't take Tylenol when you're drinking or if you have any alcohol in your system whatsoever, because when your liver is processing alcohol and acetaminophen at the same time, it creates a lot of really nasty stuff that Mm. when metabolized separately are pretty harmless, but when they metabolize together, it can be bad news. One article that I read said to take NSAIDs instead. But then in another place that I read, it said, if you drink alcohol while you're taking NSAIDs, it can intensify some of the side effects of your ibuprofen and your Advil. Hmm. That made me think that if you are taking NSAIDs for pain management or inflammation, that you don't want to drink while you're taking those because you already have a buildup of those NSAIDs in your system. Oh, right. Yeah. That are already have these side effects that you might not be aware of. And then when you drink alcohol while you're taking these, it exacerbates these symptoms like stomach bleeding and ulcers. It can also cause kidney issues, which is where... Yeah. NSAIDs are metabolized as in your kidney. 
kidneys. <laughs> I only have one, so I said that singular. <laughs> Everyone else has two, you weirdos. <laughs> so yeah, and actually that's why, because I only have one kidney, that's why I was told I should really only take Tylenol. Mm-hmm. But not when you're drinking. Right. Because that'll tear you up. So probably if you want to err on the side of caution, maybe don't take any pain meds while you're hungover. Just do these other things. Drink water, take a nap, eat breakfast and try to feel better those natural ways. That's interesting. As I always take ibuprofen, we we pretty much only ever have ibuprofen in our house. And it used to be because... You're not supposed to take Tylenol when you're drinking. And so we did a lot of drinking. So we would just only have ibuprofen at our house. And then I was pregnant a bunch of times and you can't have Tylenol when you're pregnant. You can only have ibuprofen. So there Mm. was that reason also. So we just never have Tylenol. So we take ibuprofen. My favorite thing to do is drink coconut water before bed Mm -hmm. because it's super hydrating. And that really helps me. And then uh, if I'm ever hungover, one of the the weird things that I learned in my time of working at the Chinese restaurant, uh, we we would come to work hungover and uh, there was an ice cream place right next door. And we figured out that soft serve ice cream is good for hangovers. Mm. And so we would trade them some crab rangoon for some free soft serve (laughs) to try to make it through the day. But yeah, I think you have to have, I think everybody who drinks, you sort of figure out what the cocktail of weird foods is that your body wants when you're hungover. Like mine is watermelon, soft serve, and McDonald's fries. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I would eat that any day of the week, actually. So maybe that's just what I'm... What and I if want. You, if you think about it, the watermelon is like 90% water. It rehydrates right. you. Your soft serve is probably to help with your sugar imbalance in your system. And then your fries, the blood sugar, but then also the salt for your yeah. electrolyte imbalance. See? I'm a genius. Stuff. You didn't even know. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm so smart. One of my favorite stories that I just thought of while you were talking, you said you like to chug coconut water, was when we were in Nashville for your bachelorette party. Yeah. We came in from a long night of drinking and we were all laughing and saying like, oh man, I'm going to be so hungover in the morning. This sucks. And you're like, not me. Watch this. And you proceeded to drink all of the melted ice from the ice bucket you drank the you'd like chugged the water that was in the ice bucket you're like all better and went to bed and you know what i felt great the next day you probably did i did we walked all around nashville we went shopping i was like i feel amazing yeah (laughs) except for how my bones hurt because of that mechanical bull we rode oh yeah you did it you did it that night you know what it doesn't have to be clean water it just just water. Just water. gotta hydrate you. <laughs> uh. So yeah, those are all the things you can do, and then a couple of things maybe you shouldn't do or do with caution. <laughs> take those, yeah. take those NSAIDs. But we've all heard of the term "hair of the dog," right? Yeah, it's where you drink alcohol the next morning while you're hungover. And the full term, I had to look this up. The full phrase is. Hair of the dog that bit you. Yeah. And of course, that means drink what you had the night before and it'll make you feel better. 
that phrase actually originated from Europe back before modern medicine. Back in the day, there was no real date mm-hmm. that went along with this. But it literally had to do with dog bites. Huh. And they thought that if you put a little bit of dog hair from the dog that bit you into your bite wound, it would, quote, prevent evil consequences, was what someone said. Sounds legit. Yeah. I have no no questions. Perfect plan. No notes. <laughs> Let's think this through for a minute. You have a dirty dog mouth that punctured into your skin. So you're going to take the hair from this, I don't know, 1600s dog, 1600s Europe dog who has never had a bath in his life, has fleas in mange, gets his food from street trash. You or don't know, humans. Or people. He's probably not some house pet. You're worried about getting rabies. So you just go ahead and stuff your wound full of dog hair. You know, I... You Yikes. can sit there and be real smug with your knowledge of germ theory, <laughs> but it's a scientific process. You come up with an idea, you test it out, a bunch of people die, and then you're like, maybe not. <laughs> Let's just apply this to hangovers instead. Yeah. Well, it did. It did eventually evolve into being alcohol related. Yeah. So there is some plausibility to the idea of drinking alcohol to cure a hangover. Yeah. Part of your hangover symptoms are also because you are going through alcohol withdrawal. You just spent eight straight hours drinking or 12 straight hours drinking. And now you're technically going through a little bit of alcohol withdrawal. And so when you take that shot, you're no longer going through withdrawal, right? Yeah. There's also, and I do not know the science about this, and I'm not even going to try to explain Because I don't know that I did a great job trying to explain women's badminton seeds, you know, like, I don't know how all that works. I'm not even going to try to explain this one either. But essentially, how methanol and ethanol metabolism in your body, Mm -hmm. it's creating all these crazy toxins. Mm -hmm. And we saw that with the congeners, too. So Mm -hmm. how, how alcohol is metabolized in your body is not healthy. Yeah. So... Part of why you feel like horseshit is because it's creating these toxins throughout your body. Now, when you take another shot, essentially your body and your liver is all like, oh, shit, here we go again. All hands Mm -hmm. on deck. We're drinking some more. Like, let's stop what we're doing. Let's get to working on this fresh batch that came in. So you're not curing it. You're just delaying it. You're just slowing it. You're just kicking the can down the road. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. Hair of the dog only works if you are in the middle of like a party weekend. Mm-hmm. And you want to just survive to continue to drink. Yeah. It's like a that's a Saturday morning cure, not a Sunday morning, not a no, <laughs> I got to survive so I can work the next day or whatever. No yeah. way. I have never done it. I can't. I, I'm I usually have, too nauseous. <laughs> it's unpleasant. Yeah. I don't like doing it. The best way is with a Bloody Mary, I have found, because oh. that feels like food. True. Yeah, maybe I've done that. But, yeah, electrolytes, man, salty. I'd prefer drinking melted hotel ice. There's that. No, that's probably a better solution. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather do that. Now that we know all the lame, boring, sciencey stuff, now I want to talk about the weird crap. Yes. I want to talk about some of the weird hangover cures, because that's fun. 
Apparently in ancient Rome, to cure your hangover, you would deep fry and eat a canary. Like a tiny little bird. Now historians debate whether this bird had feathers on it, whether it was whole, was it skin on, head on, was it alive? Did you have to put it in the fryer while it was alive? So there's a lot of debate on how, but I like to think that they literally like plucked a canary out of a cage, rang its little neck, popped it in the deep fryer, put it on a paper towel to cool, then just chomped that thing right in your mouth. Probably it was like a pork rind. Like my pork guess. <laughs> Delicious. Those little birdie bones, they'll just crunch. Delicious. We had deep fried Reese cups at Holiday World. Mm-hmm. And they were just like a ball of bread. Like you had no concept of what was in there. Yeah. It could have been a canary. Could have been a canary. You don't know. <laughs> Apparently in Namibia, they have a cure called buffalo milk. And when I first read it, I thought, are they literally milking like water buffaloes and drinking their milk? It was misleading. It's not. It's just a rum drink that's made with cream, cow's milk cream. So it actually kind of sounded pretty good. But when I first read it, I was like, buffalo milk? What? (laughs) I was very afraid that this was going to be like sperm related for some reason. No, not yet. Um, Not yet. Oh, no. So... (laughs) No, this was just creamy rum drink. So hair of the dog, essentially. Hair of the buffalo. (laughs) Hair of the buffalo. In Japan, there is a thing called umeboshi. Umeboshi. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry to all our Japanese listeners. I've seen the analytics. We don't have any. (laughs) Oh, we have Sweden. I know. Germany. Belgium. Do we have a Belgium? I don't know. I don't remember. But anyway. common. Guten Tag. Yeah. Is that right? Well, we, I don't know. We need some Japanese people to tell me if I'm telling this right. So <laughs> or saying this right. So they have, it's essentially a pickled plum. The problem is, is that it's super sour. In order to dilute it, they steep it in some green tea and drink it. And it's very unpleasant. It's very sour pickled plum in green tea. But If you think about it, the reason they do that is for the electrolytes. It's pickled. It's salty. Then they put it in green tea, but that's mostly water. So it's hydrating you. It's electrolytes. And then it's just unpleasant. So I don't know. Maybe you regret doing it and you never want to drink again because you don't want this nasty sour tea. I don't know. I think most of these things are just trying to get you to throw up and then that makes you feel better. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps this next one from Germany definitely might they like to consume raw pickled herring now can you imagine being hung over and you're consuming no nope. raw salty fish but that's what makes you barf yeah get rid of those evil consequences yeah. <laughs> this is just shame and punishment yeah just hurting yourself I did read that there were actually quite a few cultures that had the same or similar techniques for their hangovers, one of which was boiled testes or consuming nope. some sort of animal testes. I knew it. I, I told you. knew it. Told you. Or you could slice and dehydrate penis, animal penis, and make like a dick jerky. 
and consume that. And it was supposed to help you restore your virility and vitality. Nope. Which, if you think about it, do the math. They were probably like, oh, snap. I had real bad whiskey dick last night. I made a (laughs) fool of myself. I'm going to boil some testes. I'm going to eat that. I'm going to eat some dick jerky. Going to go around with halvesies and show that poor person that I was with last night that, hey, look, I just didn't have enough dick jerky in my life. So that's it's not me. Hey, baby, you know what they say. You are what you eat. And I've been eating a lot of dick. I've been eating a lot of dick. <laughs> been eating these massive boiled testes. <laughs> no. Just be hung over at that yeah. point. Just take a nap. Have some Gatorade. That's just it. Take a nap and have some Gatorade. You don't need to do all that. Yeah. I'll tell you who got it right though. Canada. Canada's yeah. go-to hangover cure is poutine. Yes. Which is fries with cheese and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> they know what's up. Yeah. They're like, go get some cheese fries with gravy on it. That'll cure what ails you. Yeah. Eat a pile of poutine, go down to Tim Hortons, get a bunch of coffee, some donuts. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I'm hungover, I'm going straight to Canada. It's <laughs> a good plan. Yep. Yeah. That's my segment on hangovers. So now you all have a list of things to do after your next rager. Yeah. Start with the dick jerky. Report back. I'm not doing it. So somebody who's done it, let me know. Start by chugging ice bucket water the night of. Well, if you start there, then you won't need any of these hangover cures. That's true. Cures you're right. No, you're right. Because it's the best thing you can do for yourself. Ice bucket water <laughs> and dick jerky. Those are your those are your cure-alls. <laughs> <laughs> dick jerky. You've been called that, too. <laughs> Probably. You're being a real dick jerky right now. <laughs> that was my stripper name. <laughs> Oh, I was never a stripper. And that's not a great name for a stripper. It's really not. (laughs) That is why I was never a stripper. If that was my name, they were like, I'm sorry, what now? You put it on the job application and they were like, you will not be getting called back. (laughs) Now, if my name was Jerk Dicky, that might be a different thing. Still no. No? Jerkin? Jerkin it? Jerkin? People might assume. I mean, I guess. I feel like that's a lot of work to expect for patrons of a strip club to put that together. And especially if I had to explain it every time, the joke is lost on them, and now it's not funny anymore, and I got to explain it, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not a (laughs) prostitute then. See, I never would have made a great prostitute either. (laughs) You would never have been on rum row enticing people out to the schooners to pick up bundles of liquor. Nope. No, I never would have made it given syphilis to pirates. (laughs) I'm still young. I don't know. Is that where they got pirate hooker? Is that where they got the crazy pirate hooker? Is that where that term sure. came from? Boy, this uh, went down the tubes real fast. Yeah, this was uh, this was real loosey goosey. I feel like. Yeah. I feel like a little. This was a little freewheeling. I think we told some silly stories. Yeah. May have incriminated ourselves a little bit. Perhaps. You already paid your due to society for your underage drinking. Like you already paid. Yeah. It. I went through the deferment program. It is expunged. It is yeah. no longer on my record. I was never really a prostitute, obviously. I'm free and clear. So my conscience is clean, baby. <laughs> I got nothing to hide. Yeah. 
that I'm willing to admit on air. Ha! Yeah. I feel like I need a drink now. Mine's right here. Yeah. I have a bag of wine because mm. I bought a box of wine and it took me too long to drink it and it was taking up too much space in the fridge. So I just took the bladder of wine out of the box and I <laughs> stuffed it into the cheese drawer. <laughs> so there's just a, a loose wine bladder oh <laughs> rolling around with my Colby Jack. <laughs> And your expired lunch meat. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't let it get expired. It, <laughs> nope. It's got to go. I don't know why I buy it because it, I never trust it. <laughs> but yeah, the thing about wine bladder, you don't even need a cup. You oh, can just yeah. hang that thing up like an IV and then just kind of do the valve like a gerbil in a cage. <laughs> it's classy. It's convenient. And you don't have dishes to wash. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I've got my night planned, so (laughs) I don't know what you're up to, but yeah. What do you have going on in life, in farm stuff? You got anything cool coming up? Well, it's the end of August, so we are starting to gear up for all our fall things. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not doing a second round of meat birds this year, so we don't have that, but we've got turkeys Mm-hmm. We'll have Thanksgiving turkeys available. Our laying hens, our young birds should start laying here pretty soon. So that'll ramp up our egg production. And I'm going to be up to my eyeballs in eggs again, which is great because we've been kind of limited on them all summer, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But we're going to be back up to full swing of things. Pretty excited about that. And then we're just kind of starting to wind down for the season. Mm-hmm. Once the garden is done, we'll tear it down. And September, pretty much the entire month is going to be spent cleaning out the garage and getting the house cleaned and sorted for Octyler Fest, <laughs> which is the first weekend in October. Which hopefully you will remember all of. I know. Well, I do have to take it easy because Sunday is cleanup day and then Monday we're going to Hawaii. So that'll be fun. Oh, well. So we're going to Hawaii for a week vacation which is great because tyler and i never actually had a honeymoon yeah the day after our wedding we were putting hay into the hayloft <laughs> that's <laughs> what we did we had farm chores to do we yeah. don't have time for a vacation so yeah. we're finally taking our vacation we've got my mom and my friend melissa is coming to stay for the week and farm sit so that'll be cool. fun get to take an actual vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. That'll be awesome. What about you? You got any shows coming up in September? I'm working through the end of the Bloomington Comedy Festival. I think by the time this comes out, that might be over. Mm. Hopefully I won and I have a big trophy. <laughs> Yay! Congratulations! Oh, thanks! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm working through that. And then the Limestone Comedy Festival is... September 2nd through 4th. And that's really the only thing that I have going on right now. So my September and October, I'm looking to book. So I'm going to be sending out emails and trying to get some dates put up. So hopefully for the next episode, I'll have lots of dates to tell you about. We can hire you for Tyler Fest. You can come do 15 minutes and then you can party the rest of the night with us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You were talking about changing when that happens. It's like you always schedule it when I have something going on. So I feel like you've just been moving the date around to try to keep me from coming. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pretty sure for most of those early years, you were chock full of baby. So that's true. Yeah. 
pretty <laughs> unpleasant to be around. So, yeah, maybe I was avoiding you then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I understand that. I think Josh would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, she got fat. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, no. That um, That is a baby. <laughs> oh, that's legit. Okay. Yeah. So not a whole lot of dates to tell you about, but I'm going to hopefully change that. Awesome. And, uh, try to be busy. So I'm looking forward to the fall. We're going to do some fun stuff around here, too. I've got some things planned. We've got some smaller, like, weekend trips planned and stuff. So it'll be a good fall. I hope yeah. all of our listeners have some fun stuff planned, too. And I appreciate them. I want them to go on vacation. Why don't you invite our listeners to Hawaii? It'd be cool. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's all go. Yeah. Actually, so, I do have an idea. Not only when you're on there rating and reviewing us, if you haven't already, get on our Facebook page and tell us your best A, hangover remedies that you swear by, or yes. B, your best drinking stories, ridiculousness that you've gone through. Because I want to hear your stories because I know a lot of Shanda's. She knows a lot of mine. We want to hear other people's. I think that yes. will be fun and hilarious and yeah and if you don't want to do it on facebook you can send it to us at gmail the passing notes podcast at gmail.com and we can read it on the podcast and we can keep you anonymous if you want yeah but yeah or we'll we post it on you. facebook and just leave you out of it <laughs> yeah yeah we could do that too whatever you want to do so we want to hear from you so definitely get a hold of us there on facebook or instagram passing notes with ashley and shanda you can find us all of those places, and we really appreciate you listening, and I hope that you share this show with your best friend. Yes, indeed. Every week, we like to thank my husband, Tyler, for recording, editing, producing this show. We're at episode 21. That's super yeah. exciting. I want to thank you guys for hanging in there with us. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you guys for listening. For Shanda Sung, I am Ashley Morgan. Join us next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. My drink is refreshing, though. <laughs> it is hot in this room, but this is cool, cool drink. <laughs> I felt pretty sloppy, that one. <laughs> so good luck, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, have fun with that one. Just leave it all in. If they don't love us at our taking too many pauses and being unprofessional, they don't deserve us at our best. <laughs>